0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bust, Bust and loose baseball. Hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Gives you in-depth analytics. And interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host. Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer.
1: It is Bustin' Loose Baseball episode 74. Producer Darius Dameron making it sound good. Toby Altizer alongside I'm Grant Paulson. Toby, I'm not going to use my good mic today, it's in my basement. And I got some people working in my basement this week and they literally, I've never seen this, they like sealed my basement door so that they can do the stuff that they want to do down there and told me not to go down there until they're done. So here we are. I'm going to just talk into my laptop and hope that that works.
2: It doesn't sound too bad, so hopefully it doesn't sound bad on your end listening on the podcast, but we're going to make it work. We're always uh, battling through things
1: here on busting Loose. Call us Josiah Gray. We don't have our best stuff every time out, but we are going to become all-stars one way or the other. Uh, Before we get into Davey and Rizzo and their futures, which I did tease that we wanted to do, and will be the meat of this pod probably. Uh, The Nats got no hit. This is being recorded while we watch Nats Phillies on Thursday night, so they got no hit last night. They actually had the longest streak of any team in baseball almost 4,000 games without being no hit before last evening. Uh, they had not been no hit as the Nationals. You got to go back to 1999 when they were not only the Expos, but still five years away from not being the Expos at that point. Um, all good things come to an end. I mean, that was bound to happen at some point. What do you make of 124 pitch, no hitter with four walks from Michael Lorenzen? They barreled some balls late in the game. They had, Last couple innings, three balls with uh, chances to fall in over 50% in terms of expected batting average, and it just wasn't to be.
2: Yeah, it was a funky thing, Grant, because, you know, obviously it's the Philadelphia Phillies, so we don't like to see anything good happen for that franchise, especially against the Nationals, but it's Michael Lorenzen. It wasn't Zach Wheeler or Aaron Nola. So it's a guy that just got there. So I've always been a fan of Michael Lorenzen going back to his days where he was trying to be a two-way player with the Reds and all these things. So I don't hate it. It's an odd thing though. Like you mentioned, I even heard Lorenzen in the clubhouse afterwards him and you know, Rob Thompson addressing the entire clubhouse and celebrating the occasion. And he's like, man, I'm just glad that the hard hit balls all went to center field. Like, The Nationals got some hard contact off of them. They got on base some with some walks. So, like, overall, it wasn't the worst performance you've ever seen out of the Nationals. It just sometimes you run into some hard luck. And unfortunately for the Nationals, none of the hard hit balls ended up in base hits. And the walks don't really matter when you don't get a hit because it's still a no-hitter. So it's unfortunate. But, Grant, honestly, you know, I've been – you know, a fan of this team my entire life, basically being not that old when they returned back to DC. And I always thought that whenever my team got no hit, I was going to be devastated. And I wasn't like it.
1: Maybe it's because of the time we're in as Nationals fans. I was going to say, don't you think that's because, because I felt the same way. I've always kind of thought, oh my God, when the Nats get no hit, I'm going to be so embarrassed and mortified. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to feel awful. And I won't want to show my head for a few days. And I just didn't feel that way. Like I was watching it happen and I'm kind of tracking it. I'm going, okay, three more outs. and. I kind of come to, to terms with it a little bit, but don't you think it's because? And this is not to say, like anyone who listens to this pod, I don't. I don't need to tell them this. Uh, you and I live and die with this team and love this team, but like the results do matter way less. I, I don't take yeah. losses the same way. I don't take strikeouts the same way, right? This is such a bigger, longer view thing that, like, a no hitter maybe in the heat of a playoff race back in nineteen or something would have been crippling and just uh absolutely terrible and it, it just didn't feel that way it was kind of like a all right whatever we'll see what happens tomorrow kind of vibe
2: yeah I think that's kind of you know the vibe of this season where wins and losses aren't that big of a deal it just so happens that the loss came with no hits like I think that if it would have been something like 19 or one of the years that they were competing basically from 2012 up to 2019 then maybe you feel a little bit differently but it honestly didn't bother me that much and I think maybe if it were a perfect game where nobody got on base and maybe there weren't any hard hit balls and there weren't any positives to take away from it, then maybe you could look at it that way. But, you know, I thought that they put together some decent at bats. It's not as if Lorenzen got through it. Like didn't Valdez throw less than a hundred pitches to get his no hitter or whatever, something like that. So they made him work. It's just obviously none of the hard hit balls fell in. So I thought I would be devastated. I honestly probably would say, I wouldn't say that I didn't care. I'd say I felt more indifferent to, to it, but it's an odd spot to be at to try and break down the Nationals and pull positives from getting no hit.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because really I, we don't even need to pull positives. I mean, they, <laughs> you know, to your right, I mean, the 124 pitches for nine innings is indicative of a pitcher having to grind. So that's good. And four walks means they had base runners, whatever. But, I mean, the bottom line is you go nine innings, 27 outs, you don't get a hit you lose. And that, that is embarrassing. So, And maybe some of
2: it grant is the other side where Mackenzie Gore has struggled badly against the Phillies. And so for me personally, it was something where he struggled early. You saw that it wasn't going to be a good outing for him. He got pulled early and it was one of those things where you're like, all right,
1: well, that was my whole reason for, you know, actually tuning in. Now that you brought that up, I mean, I was way more, if you want to talk about even after the game, I was way more bothered and annoyed that Mackenzie Gore, who pitches every five days, I have to wait four days at a time to see him throw again. And now we'll talk about this later in the pod. They're going to a six-man rotation. But I'm going to have to wait five more days and then see him on the sixth day, right? And you only get one of these a week, basically. You wait, and and if you're like me and you with Gore and you have high hopes and you really think this dude's going to be the real deal, and, and I think that he is, it uh, sucks when he has the bad outing like that. So that was, that drew more of my ire than being no in. I was more yeah. focused on that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I was, where
2: it was bad early on, so you'd almost checked out, and it just so happens that, oh, yeah, by the way, Lorenzen just continues to hold this no-hitter, and the Nationals haven't found a way to get a hit. So, you know, it's it sucks, but I'm not nearly as bothered by it as I thought I would be.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride.
1: All right. So let's talk Davey and Mike Rizzo's futures here. We teased this on the last pod. I did have some people reach out to me on social and just kind of say, Hey, I do want to hear that conversation or, you know, when is that going to be? Um, so, so let's make sure we pay that off. So I guess the the best way to have this conversation first is you are the owner of the Nats, Toby, congratulations. You own the nationals. You are a member of the Lerner family. Um, what is your level of interest in bringing back Rizzo as your GM slash president and Davey as your manager? And I want you first to quantify it as low, medium, or high before we kind of go into the conversation. Uh, do you want combined or you want individual, each one individually?
2: I would say with Rizzo pretty high because I like what he's done with this rebuild. You know, I think there's a, a case to be made if you're not in the Rizzo camp, that if he doesn't make that Soto trade, that maybe you could say you'd like to move on from Rizzo. But I'd like to see him kind of see this thing out now that he's made the Soto trade and you can see some of these guys in the organization. So I think it'd be high with him. With Davey, man, it's so tough because Davey's such a likable guy, but I almost have to go with low just because of the fact that I think that Davey is good in one of two ways. I think he's been good when 2019 where... I don't mean this to take away the role that he played, but it seems like he can manage a ball club that for a lot of ways can manage itself. Now credit to him for how he managed the pitching staff in the postseason. You know, that was spectacular the way he worked the starters, but for the most part, you kind of knew what was going to happen. Scherzer is going to walk out there. You give him the ball every fifth day. He's going to give you seven innings. Strauss was doing the same thing. Corbin was spectacular that year. So it wasn't as if, Davy had to take a mediocre ball club and elevate their play I think his big thing was keeping them encouraged while they struggled and then I think he's good in this kind of ball club where they're not very good and he can keep them battling every single day and the decisions aren't going to be as scrutinized as much because like we talked about with the bullpen earlier this season. I mean, which guy are you going to turn to? You might turn to one guy and it blows up, but if you turn to the other guy, same results probably happen. So I think he's good in that. So I would be – I don't like the idea of having a manager that I don't feel like elevates the play of the ball club. He's a great guy, great clubhouse guy, but his in-game managerial decisions are still very suspect. So I would say low
1: on Davey. So I'll go back to Rizzo first. Very high. Um, I understand that there are major knocks and questions about the track record in the draft and in player development over the last bunch of years. But in the same way, uh, not to go outside of the Nats here, when ownership changes a lot of the time or, or, um, you know, in, in other cases, like I'm thinking of the commanders in football where... Ownership basically came in and Jason Wright, their team president is getting another chance. Like, let's see how you do it now. The Nats are ideally, hopefully going to be owned by someone else. And I think when they invest properly in the things that they need to, and should have been for years, I think you'll see that their player development uh, track record improves substantially, that their draft track record improves substantially. I think they've been fighting in some ways with one arm behind their back. And, and, if Rizzo really is anti using the technology and the enhancements and the things that these other organizations have tapped into well before the Nats and studying the biomechanics and all these things that teams spend millions and millions on that the Nats either still don't or have been slow to come around on or just a few years into and some teams are 10 years into it, now that's a problem and that's fireable and that means you got to go in a different direction. But I've never gotten the sense that Mike Rizzo doesn't want to do those things. I don't think he's a scout who hates analytics or hates um, like newfangled information and tech. I think everything gets a seat at the table with him. I really have always, and, and this is, you know, this is where people can disagree with me and that's fine. This is my own opinion. I would say it's, it's speculation, but it's informed speculation, which is different than just speculation. Um, I do think for a long time they've had plans and asks and wanted things that they haven't always been able to get from this ownership. I think that that has affected some areas of the ball club. It won't be any different with somebody else. It could actually be worse if you just go get an analytics person, but then you don't spend on the things that you need to do analytically and otherwise, and you lose some of the scouting in the eyes of Rizzo and his staff, it could actually be a little bit worse. Uh, I don't know. What I do know is I, I I was in Rizzo's uh, – I wrote a story for The Athletic several years ago. If you're an Athletic subscriber, you can find it. It's. Uh, I got to write for a long time in a lot of different places, and it's still probably my favorite story I've ever written. But I went and watched a game in Rizzo's suite uh, with him and his staff as a fly on the wall, and I just kind of sat there and took notes and, and wrote a story about my experience. And what I noticed that night at the time um, – Bob Boone was still in the organization. It was actually the night. If you remember the game when Max pitched against the Phillies with the black eye after he had like broken his nose, that was the game out. It was the second game of a double hitter. And I was in the box watching that game with him that night. And uh, Bob Boone was like one of the oldest old school, like guys you'll ever find in baseball sat right next to Rizzo as an assistant GM. And they were comparing You know what do you who's his release uh, delivery release remind you of? And they're talking about stuff from the '60s and '70s. But then there was a a three guys behind him, all on their laptops. You know, with their uh, analytics department, R and D guys. And Rizzo would spin around in his chair. What was the catcher? You know, percentage on that? Did you know what percentage of the time does that ball get caught that Robles didn't get to, or whatever? And it was just indicative of to me that night of. This is a guy who does enjoy the scouting element and wants to talk to Bob Boone and guys like that, but he is going to turn around and ask for the numbers guys too. And I do think, long story short, that that he is interested in kind of bringing it all together, which means this can work in 2023 and beyond. To your point as well, more succinctly, I mean, the way the rebuild has gone, which is a smashing success to my point based almost exclusively on, but not solely on, the Soto deal, uh, I just think he's he's deserving of that opportunity, and, and I would work hard to keep him around. He may want to go elsewhere. You know, I, I can tell you this. I don't know. I don't think this was out here at any point, but I may have mentioned it on a pod. I know for a fact that someone told me that the Angels came to Rizzo a few years ago, and he considered leaving at that time and opted not to, not long after the World Series. I wonder right now, not being able to spend any money in free agency with the you know, the, the checkbook restricted and ownership, not really helping you. Is this still a place where he wants to be when he's a free agent? Does he have, you know, will he have other options? I would imagine he would. So that's going to be interesting as well, but I would work hard to bring him back to answer the question. Well, Davey, one thing real quick, more off of interesting, that. but yeah, keep going. One thing off of that, Grant,
2: I watched Moneyball today again, cause I keep seeing clips pop up on my TikTok. And one thing that you could bring up is, you know, Billy Bean was a guy that could have gone somewhere else. they show that at the end of the movie, he gets offered a bunch of money from the Red Sox, but he never had won the World Series. If Rizzo decided he wanted to go somewhere else, he's won a World Series as an executive of the Nationals. So he could, you know, chalk that up if
1: you wanted to just go somewhere else. He could. He finished the job. You've won there. No doubt. Finished the fight. He did that. Um, The one thing about him, and you could say this about almost everyone in every job in baseball, but. I mean, his family is pretty set up in D.C. at this point, right? They live in the city. He's got a new baby. He's married. And all of that happened here. But I want to say he's the second longest GM in Major League Baseball in terms of tenure right now behind Brian Cashman. Uh, I know the top three, I believe, are Cashman, him, and Rick Hahn. And I'm not sure if he's two or three, but pretty sure he's like number two, number three on that list. So it has been a long run and a very successful run if you look at division titles and postseason appearances, obviously the last few years have been a disaster. But I would say that, well, yes, you have to, you know, he would take blame. I'm sure you have to blame the fact that their system was barren and that their drafts have been horrendous. And and he's got to answer to that in some capacity uh, more than anybody else does. Again, I I, I just wonder, I I don't know how much different it would have and could have been with other people running the show. Like if you want to go with the the top GMs in the sport, if that's um, from like a numbers and analytics standpoint, if that's Andrew Friedman and his crew in LA, or maybe the Rays uh, front office, maybe you're a big fan in in San Francisco. I think far anxiety is unbelievable. Like, is it that different there Uh, in the success that uh, I should say, let me ask the question differently. Would they have had a lot more success here over the last few years than the Rizzo group has without the big league team spending or not. I don't think so, but maybe their system would have been better. Maybe they would have drafted better. Uh, we've seen Rizzo do it before, before they got good. We've seen him do it here very recently. Things are looking and trending up. So we'll see. Davey is much more interesting to me because I'm you went low. I would go medium only because – like where they're at in their build. I don't think you're ready to go hire your culture change your championship winner. And I always, I don't know if it's has to be this way, but I always noticed that it's this way with baseball. Um, you think about like the Orioles for a long time had Dave Tremblay as their manager, and then they eventually blew him out and brought in Buck Showalter. Like there's always that guy who like uh, the pirates had, I think his name was like John Russell for years. They blow him out and they go get Clint Hurdle. Like you bring in your, um, your Dusty Baker to the Astros, maybe that's a bad example. But, you know, you, you bring someone in when you're ready to win the World Series that, like, put you over the top manager, right? The Joe Madden to the Cubs kind of guy or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I, I, th- I don't think they're ready to do that. Like, if you go get a manager this offseason that's not Davey, it should be a real young guy who's a good instructor, who's a good coach. Uh, and maybe they should. I will say this. If it was up to me, if we're playing owner Toby, and I've talked way too long, so I want to tag you back in. But if if we if if I'm playing owner, I am making changes to this staff. I don't think that the team has been bad this year; they're overachieving, and and so maybe they'll keep everybody. But I just you know I would really want a young, forethinking staff. You know, pitching coach who's been at some college program, churning out arms, Vanderbilt or, or you know, Tennessee or something like I just want I'd go to Wake Forest where they got the best pitching lab in the country. And I'd pluck in a, someone off their staff to be in my pitching department, if not a pitching coach. Like those are the types of things I would be doing right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to keep Davy in that sort of sense, like you're laying out where he's going to stick around for a year, two years, at most three, yeah, years, maybe a two year deal. I'm totally fine with that. The reason I say low is I just don't think that Davey, even though he's won a world series, so you can't say that he's not a world series manager. I just don't feel like he elevates the play of the team. So, you know, in two, three years, four years when they're competitive again, hopefully I don't want him managing the ball club. That being said, if this is the same sort of thing that we're doing this year and he's doing it next year, I don't hate it. I think that he does a good job with that, but I completely agree with the staff. Like, I think you really need to evaluate the entire staff. If you want to go into Davey and Rizzo as well, that's fine, but you need to evaluate everything and figure out exactly what the plan is going forward. And, you know, I think you need to take a look at the development, make sure you're doing the right job there, make sure you got the right coaches and all the minor league levels. I think that there's a lot of evaluating that needs to be done because of the struggles, especially in the farm system, basically, over the last six, seven, eight years. So I don't have an issue with taking a look at that. And then looking at the big league staff, again, I think that everyone is open to being evaluated. I don't know that, you know, you can't point to a specific Darnell Coles is making them suck at the plate. I don't know that you can point to that and say that same thing with Jim Hickey. I don't know that you can say that he's either helping or holding pitchers back this at this point in the season, or this point, you know, in his career in Washington. So I don't know, but I think that, realistically you need to evaluate all those guys the problem is if you're trying to evaluate those guys Rizzo's the guy that needs to evaluate them so if you're going to keep Rizzo long term that's great let him make the decisions if you're not then you need to find a guy to bring in here pretty much as qu- as quickly as possible to evaluate what's going to happen going forward
1: yeah I think the other question in terms of the coaching staff eval has to be are the guys that matter the most peaking or uh, maximizing their talent, right? Are they peaking as the year goes on and getting better, in other words? Are they ascending? I mean, C.J. Abrams obviously is, right? There's no doubt. I've seen Ricky Gutierrez get a bunch of shine for some of the work he's done with him defensively that they're very, very happy with. He's improved immensely defensively, and obviously we talk about it every week. You know, he has been outstanding offensively over the last several weeks. Uh, Has Kbert Ruiz gotten better? I would say no in terms of defense behind the plate and like framing and some of those things. Now somebody smarter than me with the nationals might be able to point some things out. I'm just digging in on the numbers that I can see from the outside looking in and they're not particularly good. So how is the catching instruction? Um, Is it just that, you know, you're trying to make filet mignon at hamburger helper. Is it just, is he never going to be able to throw guys out and frame well and, and have a low pop time Um, or or is, is the instruction not as good as it could be? I mean, he is sixth percentile in framing, third percentile in pop time this year. Last year, K. Barrett Ruiz in his first year with the team was 23rd percentile framer, 25th percentile pop time. So last year he was bad, but it wasn't this bad. Um, so, you know, those are the types of things I'm looking at, um, uh, on the pitching side, Josiah Gray, we've talked about he's made strides like he's definitely better and and has improved and changed pitches. But if you look at the underlying numbers, it's not like it's night and day or he's made a massive leap, really. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm proud of his development and where he's at. But could he be developing faster and more? I don't know. I'm just talking out loud. I'm not even making um, declarations as much as I'm asking questions. Uh, Mackenzie Gore. I really like what I've seen. I'm encouraged, but I don't know that he's pitching better late here in the year than he was early in the year. Is that fatigue? You know, it's not going to be linear. It's not going to be a, a slope where it's just straight up. But I, I guess I'm maybe just reaffirming or confirming some of my priors where I didn't love the idea of Hickey. It's just a familiar thing. Like he and Davey know each other from the Rays and he's been around. I really would like to go young and I don't want to use the word sharp because Hickey might be the sharpest guy in baseball, but it's just some up and coming, forethinking guy, and uh, and we'll say I, I doubt they will because it seems like they have the the guys that they like. You can't necessarily completely argue with the results because I think you and I would agree. Like you'd sign up for this year from Gore so far, I'd sign up for this year from Gray from CJ. Um Ruiz I'm not worried about it all hit another home run in, in Philadelphia and has done some really good things at the plate compared to last year. I just I don't see him getting better defensively. I don't know what you think about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not encouraging what I've seen defensively at, you know, haven't seen it as much lately with teams running, but there was a point in the season where any guy that got on first base, they were just taking off and there was never a doubt that they were going to be safe on the steal attempt. So I'd like to see him improve. And I think the point that we're trying to make here is we're not necessarily making assumptions and saying all these guys should be gone or anything. We're not necessarily saying they're bad, they're good. We're just saying the Nationals, whoever is going to make those decisions needs to take a look at it. You know, that's something that I think this offseason they need to evaluate. And I think that they're going to have a better understanding of what they're seeing, what development they've seen, because they're obviously with the guys every day. But from what we've seen,
1: And let me just say this, too. I mean, the reason I even bring it up and we're talking about this is if we're talking about Davey's future, in some ways, Davey's got a staff that he likes and he Mm -hmm. wants, right? So, I mean, you're deciding this offseason if you're bringing him back or not. One of the things back in the day I would always say about Rizzo is you can't get rid of Rizzo even if you want to because his whole staff has been so successful for years. At that point, they had the best system and they've done a great job drafting and all that. And, And the same thing when you're evaluating a manager like Davey. Do you really you know, want to keep uh, this pitching coach or hitting coach or this person or that person that he wants here? If if you want to go in a different direction in a few spots, is it just a time to rip off the Band-Aid? Like, I think that's a fair conversation that they need to have at the end of this year. It's interesting to talk about it this way, Tobes, because – they have been good enough, like if they lost a hundred games again and stunk like they did last season and played terrible defense and got blown out all the time, it'd be super easy for me and you to come on here and just say, "All right, you don't need to bring Rizzo back or Davy back or the staff back. Maybe we'd say, bring Rizzo back because the the rebuild's still going well, but you get my point. That hasn't been the case, though. Like, they're playing pretty good ball. They're super competitive. They got a chance if they win as we tape this thing to win, you know, 13 of their last 20, They would be number one in the division over 20 games. Like, things are going fine, and in a lot of ways, I think they've actually been better than people thought.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a the case to be made as well that, you know, if you're one that believes that they've started to turn things in the right direction, don't change anything up now, I think there's an argument to be made for that. And I think there's an argument the other way as well, if you want to try to move on and try something new as well. So I think that either side, I think you're justified. I think that the much easier one to say that should stick around, and I think most Nationals fans would be on board with, is Mike Rizzo, because you know, I think you have a longer track record and a guy that has found a way to build a World Series winner. Now he's kind of going back to step one and rebuilding. And you know at least you know that if the Nationals get to a point where they're competitive for a world series. Again, you have a guy in charge that can build a roster that's ready to do it. At the same point, Davey knows how to manage a clubhouse and get those guys ready to go and competitive. And they fight every single day, whether they're the 2019 team that's fighting to win a world series or this team that's basically fighting not to lose a hundred games. So I think there's, you know, pros and cons to both guys, but you know, I think that either way they go, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. And, I mean, it's very pressing this offseason what they're going to decide to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is it depends, too, on if they're sold or not, right? I mean, that probably matters more than anything. I would just say, and it sounds like you and I agree on this, I think Rizzo's better at being a GM than Davey is at managing, right? Rizzo is a GM on a 1 to 10 scale for me is like an 8, and Davey is probably like a a 5. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of just how I feel, and I'm I'm not anti-Davey by any means, but I think he's kind of, you know, replacement level average. We've sung his praises and I've talked about they don't win the 19 World Series without him and how incredible he was that year. And as you said, that postseason. And I just think he's one of the most positive, decent, you know, legitimately warm, great people that these guys enjoy being around. And and they're better for it. They're overachieving this year for it. So you give them credit for that. Uh, I just think you can you can find guys that are similar level or, or certainly better managers. Um, and ideally, they have that people element to them, too, that he has uh, really, I think, done so well with. Um, but I think that's a good enough breakdown. Now, on the the ownership thing, I will say um, I'm a little concerned <laughs> about them selling. I mean, when the Masson news came down several weeks ago that there was a breakthrough and that some money was being paid out to the Nats, that was obviously taken as a huge thing. And maybe a, a success story toward a sale here's why i'm a little nervous though okay mark Lerner is back in i mean he seems mm-hmm. to really be invested again i told the story on the pod last year where i bumped into him in fact i think i was with you darris uh we were at nats park i think weren't we in uh nats park and in, in the Terra club or something and we bumped into Lerner.
2: we were yeah uh don't don't recall what game that was so long ago, but um, but yeah, it was kind of surreal. We just <laughs> randomly walked into him. Uh, he was coming uh, into the Terror Club just as we were going out to our seats, and right. And, and you walk up, you say, "Hey." what's up mark (laughs) he was just like
1: chilling but i said hey i just went down and saw james wood play in fredericksburg and he may have just been appeasing me and being friendly but he's like oh really he's like what'd you think how'd he look or whatever i said i got a video and he's like oh let me see it so i'm showing him the video of like his first game in fredericksburg when he doubled or whatever and he was talking about him and then someone from the nats came and dragged him away knowing i was in the media and you know you don't want me talking to him or whatever. <laughs> I wasn't getting a scoop. I was just trying to talk to the guy about James Wood. But I'd say this to tell you that, like, he is still around the ball club. He still goes to games. He still cares and watches every night. He was sitting knee-to-knee in front of Mike Rizzo during the draft. And when Rizzo called Dylan Cruz the number two pick, you could hear Mark Lerner and, and see him on the video the Nats put out, like high five and Rizzo and then taking the phone to, like, talk to the guy or whatever. Like owners that don't care and are selling are not doing that. When Dan Snyder was selling the commanders, his office was cleaned out for months. He was not at the draft. He wasn't even on video for the draft because he knew he was selling the team. He didn't care anymore. Um, Rizzo on the junkies on on 106.7, the fan this week said that he drove to see Dylan Cruz's first Mm -hmm. game on Saturday night, which you and I were at Mm -hmm. with Mark Lerner. He said me and Mark rode down to, to Fredericksburg. So, As someone who really wants the learners to sell this team because they clearly don't want to spend and and do what it takes to fill the the roster that I need anymore, that worries me. Now, I have been told that Mark's pretty much the only family member that's like that invested and all in and really wanting to do it. And his uh, sister, I guess it is, is is not that way and her husband. And so maybe there is a a big difference and, and maybe ultimately he'll lose out. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out as is anyone else noticing that Mark Lerner seems to be caring a yeah. lot about owning the team now? Because I, I really would prefer them just to sell.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely noticed that he was down there. I I didn't see him personally, but I saw some pictures on, on Twitter that he had gone down to Fredericksburg to see Dylan Cruz debut. And those are the sort of things, the little extra things that make you think that he's all bought back in again. Because showing up to Nats Park is one thing, but showing up in Fredericksburg to see – your number one draft pick make his debut and those sort of things shows that you've got that extra level of commitment. So we'll see, you know, it'd be great if they were able to be sold on the counter side though, Grant, I brought it up before their payroll is going to be minuscule coming forward. Maybe they'd be willing to open the checkbook a little bit. Once Corbin's contract comes off the books, I know that's kind of wishful thinking maybe at this point, but I mean I think there's maybe a possibility they can still spend some cash even if the learners keep the team but I guess we'll get to see here in just a couple
1: of years. Yeah, well I mean they have to, right? If they spend, uh, excuse me, if they keep the team they have to spend. And and they will. I just will they ever spend like they used to? I'm not sure, but obviously it would probably be but you know somewhere between what they do now and what well, they Well, and at I 18th.
2: I think this also too just shows how much it sucked. When the Nationals won the World Series, obviously, you're not going to regret winning the World Series, but winning it in 19, not ever getting to really celebrate it all season long in the 20 season with fans at the ballpark. Like, I wonder how much obviously the pandemic hurts your bottom line as a business that makes we all know that. But how much did it hurt as well that they won the World Series and then never got to really capitalize off of all that they could sell their merch online, but. People weren't packing the ballpark in 2020. And then by the time that people got back into the ballpark in 2021, they'd missed it in 20 and weren't the same ball club that everyone fell in love with in 19. So, you know, I think that also hurt them. That really sucks that that's the case. Obviously, we wouldn't trade 2019 for the world. But, I mean, you got to look at that and that kind of hurt them as well.